Last September, we sailed the high seas with Motorhead on their motorboat cruise ship for four days. We played, they played, and a whole bunch of other great bands played too. I had a blast. I got to play Bury Me in Smoke with Down. I got to see High on Fire two feet away from my face. We hung out with the Diamond Brothers. I did a podcast with Phil Campbell. And when it was all over, I found myself saying to anyone with an earshot that I would do it all over again if asked. One of the bands that made the cruise a lot of fun was Fireball Ministry. Knowing that lead singer, guitarist Jim Rhoda was going to be on the trip put me at ease. Here was another dyed-in-the-wool rock and roller that I consider being on the same page as myself, and at least I wasn't going to be alone. Jim has been on the podcast before, episode number 78 to be exact, and it was one of the most well-received podcast episodes I've done. I got a lot of great feedback from it. Jim's like podcast gold. He's one of these guys who can lob over rock and roll story after rock and roll story while you sit back and listen, each one better than the other. What made Fireball Ministries' inclusion on the cruise ship even sweeter was the addition of bass maestro Scott Reeder. Scott was in The Obsessed and, of course, more prominently in Caius. He had only recently joined Fireball Ministry and the shows on the boat would be his debut. It was an exciting time for the band, and knowing this factoid, it made it exciting for our camp to watch their set when they finally hit the stage. I count their show as one of the best of the trip, maybe even the best. They killed it. Perhaps it was the new blood that Scott brought to the fold. Maybe it was the fact that I hadn't seen Fireball in a while. Or maybe it was just because, along with Josh and Jason Diamond, our camps forged a union amidst all the metal allegiance going on around us. During the cruise, when I'd get up in the morning and walk around, I'd notice there wouldn't be too many people up obviously knocked out from the previous night's festivities. Being a morning person means sitting back and quietly relishing the possibilities of the day in solitude. But on a cruise ship, it also means running into other morning people, running into Jim Rhoda. We spent a couple of mornings casually shooting the shit, laughing at how rock and roll it was to be up early on Motorhead's cruise, no less. And this episode is more of the same. At the time, since Jim's episode had only been recently uploaded, I thought it would be both a twist and a coup to wrangle Scott Reeder on the episode as well. We recorded this before they played their first show, so the exciting nervousness from them was palpable. Add to this the fact that Jim was co-executive producer of the Foo Fighters HBO series Sonic Highways, and it was only a month away from its television debut. To say there was a lot on Jim's plate is an understatement. Now, I've already uploaded most of the Motorhead Motorboat podcasts. Phil Campbell, the Diamond Brothers, Big J. Okerson, even the Juan Montoya podcast. But I held on to this one because with our new album, Fire Music, about to be released, I didn't know if I'd have the time to do any podcasts and wanted to keep this one if I needed it to tie me over. I held on to it and held on to it. And now that Sonic Highways has aired... I don't have to edit out any spoilers. You're going to hear the three of us trade stories left and right, but there are a couple of disclaimers that must be stated here. Firstly, there is a noticeable hum throughout the episode. 
same hum on the Diamonds episode and the Big J Okerson episode. This is because we recorded it on a cruise ship out to sea. The hum you hear is the hum we all heard during the entire trip. We got used to it then, and you actually get accustomed to it here too, so it's not that big of a deal. Just thought I'd mention it. Secondly, near the end of the podcast, Scott Reeder tells a story about Dave Ellefson saving lives, and for some reason, it is at this very point that the wave files decided to split and echo. It's never happened to me before. Now, it's a bit eerie considering the subject matter of the story being told, but it might have had something to do with some frequency we passed through while recording the podcast. Weirder stuff has happened. I tried my best to edit around it. It's an incredible story worth listening to, despite the slight echo you may hear. I want to say thanks to everyone who's been listening to the podcast for a while. Thanks to new listeners, new subscribers to the podcast. Please leave a rating or a review on iTunes to bump up the podcast's profile. It would be much appreciated if you could. Thanks to Skullcandy Headphones for their aviator aviator headphones, and thanks to Blue Mic Microphones for their Yeti microphones. Jim Rhoda and Scott Reeder of Fireball Ministry are this episode's guests on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. They play the kid as Danko's crew will tell for free. I said, but I like to sometimes tell me if I'm fucked up. Stop playing hangs out. I feel it's absolutely compulsory for you to listen to the Danko Jones podcast. Many times, Liz and I camped out in front of our Fisher 500 hi-fi receiver. Hanging on Danko's every word. It's what we used for inspiration when we both starred in Under Milkwood. We even got Peter hooked by the end of the production. The Peter O'Toole, that is. <laughs> I implore you to go now and listen to Danko expound on subject matter most of us don't even think twice about. Listen to him. Turn anything into podcast gold. It's simply fantastic. Danko Jones has a podcast. It's called the Danko Jones Podcast. La da 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 Well, it's nice to have you back, Jim, on the podcast one-on-one. Yeah. And now uh, he brought a friend. He brought a friend. <laughs> uh, it's awesome to have you, Scott. Thank you. Thank you so it's much. It's amazing to be here. Scott Reeder of Fireball Ministry. Yes. As much as, as much as he wants to be. Well, yeah. As long as I pass the audition tomorrow night. <laughs> he totally already passed. <laughs> Don't tell him. <laughs> All right, you guys aren't nervous. You guys are professionals. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. No, I'm not. You, you got me nervous, though. I overheard you talking upstairs, and you go, yeah, I was just in my room practicing. I'm like, I'm, I'm well, yeah, honestly, I, only, I was only practicing out of, kind of out of boredom because I was like, well, we didn't get to get off the boat today because of the weather. Yeah. So I was like, maybe I should see if my guitars are all right. So then I was like messing around and making sure everything was okay. And then I was like, might as well run through the set lists. With your guitar? Yeah. I like hooked up to the iPad, and I could play oh. the songs while it goes total nerd but yeah so I went through I, I went through thing. like three songs you did the same thing you said I did the same thing <laughs> really iPad yeah. with the iJam yeah <laughs> converter whatever yeah. totally I did it air guitar I played air guitar <laughs> here oh right right I played air guitar 
and I just mouthed all the words. That's words practice is a whole different practice. You know what I mean? You're, yeah. You, we are the same in that we have to do two jobs. So everyone it's else always, doesn't understand. I don't know. And when I'm like running through the songs, no offense, Scott, but like I'm like thinking to myself, Emily has the easiest job <laughs> in the world. <laughs> like all I'm thinking, like I'll miss stuff because I'm always like. Why am I? Well, I'm an idiot. Why am I singing? <laughs> but yeah, no. Yeah, I always get pegged. Oh, you, you, you did this wrong in this song. And I'm like, well, dudes. Yeah. I was fucking trying to remember. Uh, you know. Yeah, your head's in two different places. Right. Yeah. I'm also trying to keep you entertained. Yeah. So there's that too. I mean, you know, it beats the shit out of UPS. Because of the yeah. banter that happens in between songs. Some some crazy shit happens, but you got two more songs to go before you stop. You mm-hmm. got to remember that and so try true. to think about what you're going to say about that, you know. This is like an awesome support group. I never, like, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody about support. <laughs> it's totally the I, truth. Yeah, like, yeah, you're true. like, oh, shit, all right, well... Now this isn't quite going the way I thought it was going to go, so I have to kind of win people over. Yeah. So now I have to, like, reprogram the things I was thinking about. Because, like, you always think about, like, oh, yeah, I should talk about that. If there's a lull there, I should talk about that. Just like you're saying, like, then something happens when you're up there and you're like, oh, I got to talk about that now. How do I work that into the, you know, songs about the cowboy or whatever the hell I'm, you're singing next or whatever it is it's pretty <laughs> interesting <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah so I guess we should tell just in case people don't know it's like tomorrow night you guys are playing and it's Scott's first yeah Scott Reader's first uh, appearance on a fireball ministry stage yeah and on a cruise ship <laughs> oh yeah never played a cruise before no, no. we go big We he told us like <laughs> We can't just do a first show. It has to be on something moving. <laughs> We're like, cruise ship? I want to play a cruise, guys. Right, right. Make it so. <laughs> Make it happen, babe. <laughs> Maybe I'm speaking too soon, but I think the drinking has been kind of, for the most part, under control. Seeing that oh, we're yeah. day two of the cruise. It's just, it's a lot, but it doesn't seem... It's a lot. Nobody seemed to have gotten, like, fired up. Or yeah, anything. yeah, I think it's all <laughs> under control. I was telling Scott that, like, the woman at the front desk was telling our friends that she was like this cruise group is so well behaved of all the of all the cruises i've worked on this is the most these are the nicest people so far so the yeah. staff are stoked they're coming out um, there was just a a lady downstairs that said she couldn't take photographs with her uniform on and she held a t-shirt over so she get get a photo i think when down was playing yeah, yeah. We saw one of the like people that were working in the restaurant, and when we get her picture with Joey Belladonna from Anthrax, she was just like, "Please, I'm not supposed to do this, yeah. but will you take your picture with me?" Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's so. cool. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Because yeah. I, I see some of the staff, and they're like snickering to each other, going, "Look at these crazy people!" <laughs> I can see it in their eyes, you know. But uh, yeah, it's been good. But can you imagine a snooty crowd after we we missed a port this morning? The, the snooty. Normal crowd, oh, yeah, just been like raising a huge yeah. stink, and yeah, everybody was stoked. And and speaking of bands, I mean, you and I side by side, we caught High on Fire last night. That was amazing. Which I think might be the highlight of the cruise. Yeah. I'm speaking too soon, but it was amazing. Yeah, that's what they were saying. I no one sleep. was there. I, I was just standing right next to Matt, yeah, watching his fingers and what his feet were doing with the effects and just, yeah uh, and, and getting the awesome. real sound from his amp mm. yeah. just blowing in your face yeah like and the stage itself was like 
it's just a it was like um like one of those basement show type stages that's fun a cruise ship cabaret yeah it's awesome it was awesome (laughs) and when we started no one was there Mm -hmm. like there must have been 15 people in the entire room and they just we thought they were sound checking we were upstairs and we just said hey let's check out their sound check and it was the fucking show and everybody was like freaking out so yeah there's no like over the intercom like hey downs playing on the lido deck <laughs> yeah they should do i mean they come on and tell us stuff they yeah see. you would think they would come on and go like hey you know. high on fire starlight lounge <laughs> 7 p.m don't be late yeah yeah they should do that but they don't no but it was pretty pretty killer it was pretty killer last night yeah i want to see we they play right before us on the i think on the outside stage the night we Play or the day, I don't know, whatever. They're playing in the day. The next time they play is the last day, like four thirty in the afternoon on the deck. Then that's we're right after them. Uh, Then you're then you're you're golden. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, I'm pumped. Well, when we were all waiting for Testament to start playing, all of us were there. Mm -hmm. I got to get into it. You're on the podcast, and Scott, you told me the the most amazing story of the most amazing kiss story yesterday. You must retell it on the podcast. There were some kiss stories going around yesterday, and mine was my first day at work at Cherokee Studios in Hollywood. I got thrown into a room with Kiss. Um, I was a staff engineer at Cherokee, but I was just running the tape machine. There was another staff engineer that was running the board, and he had things patched in pretty screwy. It's hard to explain technically, but there was a feedback loop. Every time I went in to record, there was a loud in the headphones and Gene Simmons was getting pissed and after a few times the guy at the board's pointing at me like I was the problem and Gene Simmons actually came over got in my face and started quizzing me on the, the buttons of the machine what does that do? that's the play button what does that do? that's the record button then he gets underneath it what does that one do? that's the alignment I don't deal with that stuff you don't know this machine after the session Gene left and he actually came back in the door and got my face again and said, you'll probably win a fucking Grammy one of these days and I'm going to be out in the crowd and I'm going to stand up and say, he pushed the wrong button. <laughs> and he walked off. <laughs> At least he said you'd win a Grammy someday. You know what That's I mean? Amazing. And then compliment. The, the, the Sound City record won a Grammy. In it. <laughs> See? I wasn't there. He wasn't there. But... <laughs> And how's Sonic Highways doing, Jim? Just to recap from it's last good. Podcast. We had that. We, you know, it's um as he grabs his forehead and yeah, runs his hand out some his hair. Hair. <laughs> It's a lot. It's you know we're you know you know uh, your beard is very gray. By yeah, the way, it got white like instantly. <laughs> we we're basically making six sound cities in the same amount of time. Because it's eight hours of TV where Sound City was two hours, you know, two hour movie. Mm-hmm. So, and these are all one hour episodes. Um, the thing is, is the way that, that the director likes to work is he likes a lot of, um, you know, uh, archival material. And archival material takes a while to, to, to clear. We just don't have the time. So it's it's been it's been challenging. I mean, we'll get it all. And it, but it, it I mean, uh, the amount of people that are working on just that task alone, let alone the you know four editors and the four assistant editors and you know the, the twelve archival clearance people. Not to mention John and myself. Wow. It's pretty like, 
And it's just crazy because, you know, the minute you hand in the last episode, it's like, shoom, the whole thing stops because it's over. And what do you do? Do you go through, like, post, like, <laughs> post, post, post tour <laughs> depression? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you, you know, that's why I think people, it's what's funny is, like, with in production, you know, like, TV and film production, people jump on the gigs really fast afterwards. And a lot of times it's financial, you know, for whatever reason, but... So I think sometimes it's just people get like antsy because they're like you know it's like constant it's like electricity all the time and then all of a sudden it's like turn off all the lights so Scott's in it Scott's in the LA yeah. episode yeah oh wow yeah. I can't give away too much <laughs> I'm <laughs> dying to see it <laughs> but yeah Scott's in it are, is, are you in a studio <laughs> um I don't know what that was it was like a, in front of a gigantic Marshall amp a, a spinal tap stage prop actually yeah giant like ridiculously oversized Marshall full stack that like they had on their stage to make it look like they had you know kind of like that crazy horse Neil Young tour that they did yeah with the huge years ago. Yeah, defenders with, yeah. yeah yeah that's what he's sitting in <laughs> <laughs> each episode ends with the song from that they recorded in that city and I think the song is available that night like for the first time so like after the episode airs you can get the song and they're doing that for the first four songs because the record get like the episodes are released in order of the songs on the record so it's a pretty cool thing wow that is a marketing genius right. and then plan. if you, if you if, I think it's I think it like if you buy, pre-order the album you get the songs as they come out you know what I mean oh like, wow. you automatically get them like when the show's there. Wow. So, yeah. My only thing is is that I really hope people, and this you can, if you decide to air this before the 17th, this, this is no, okay to say. But my only thing, I want people, I hope that people don't look at it as just being like... A marketing? Yeah, thing. a way to right. sell a new Foo Fighters record. Because, like, the stories that, that are being told and the, and the subject matter and the reason that, especially he wanted to do this, like, is so important to like you know live music and popular music like it's just we're lucky that he takes the the like it on as his burden mm -hmm. like both financially and time wise mm -hmm. because believe me this shit is <laughs> not easy to make so and it takes up a lot of his time and a lot of their time as a band you know what i mean like they they're committed to the process it's not some kind of thing where you know, he's like, make me a TV show, and then walks away for nine months, and then comes back and goes, where's my TV show? It's a labor of love. Yeah, totally. And giving back, and giving credit to people that other people may not have heard of. Bad brains. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, shh. Oh. oh no, this is <laughs> Yeah, I mean, no, no. <laughs> but like, you know, like our Chicago episode... That, that will have aired by that's the first episode not that you're allowed to know that yet but um, that like Naked Raygun is a huge segment in that show and like why they're, they were important to him and why they should have been important to a lot of people like who the hell is you know like and, and they're a great band but like who is going out there in today's day and age with that much influence over people and is like telling people about bands from the past that they should have heard of I think Grohl is doing like with Naked Reagan. You said he did it with. He's done that a, a bunch of times over the last few years. When, when the opportunity arises, like Blast, mm -hmm. and at fucking last year, everyone's talking about Blast. I, I finally had it with Blast. Yeah. I was just tweeted something like, "Fucking yeah, uh, last month, nobody knows. No one, no one knew who Blast was. Like 
Dave Grohl has something to do with this album and everyone's like blast and I use the exclamation point that they use on their their actual logo yeah but it's just everyone was everyone around me was talking about blast and to his credit man like you know Mike and um and Clifford didn't even go to him it was like I guess Greg Anderson from that from Southern Lord that label Southern Lord he 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 got a hold of the masters for that record and then you know, Greg had suggested, well, why don't we see if we can mix it out at Dave's studio, or the Foo Fighters studio, and, uh, you know, they they came in, and, and or Greg, call, Greg called on their behalf, because they were, like, too embarrassed to do it, and, you know, Dave was like, yeah, come mix it for free, like, you don't have to mm. pay to use the place, just come mix it. Yeah. Like, I want to hear it. Like, that was the thing, you know. Right. Like, I went down there the first night, and he was there. Like, Dave was sitting there, like, ready to hear it, all amped up like a fan. So that's what I mean, like... That's cool. People can, you know, I know that some people, like, not too many people, but some people definitely try to, you know, shit talk him or say that he's, you know, like, not... It's it's so, like, it's so refreshingly genuine. I mean, what he did with Probot, too. I yeah. Mean, I thought it was amazing. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's, yeah. he's elevated my life every step of the way. Back to the Caius days, um, I joined Caius before Blue Through the Red Sun came out, and Nirvana was blowing up in 92. And when he was on tour, he would go buy every copy of Blue Through the Red Sun at record stores and give them to people that he thought should hear it, which led to, oh, I don't know, a tour with Metallica, you know, stuff like that, and, and press and MTV. And, and nobody would have heard of us maybe if it weren't for Dave and then then he brings me back in for the Sound City thing and that's one of the biggest things I've ever done and now the Sonic Highways thing I, I don't even know what's it's pretty in. gnarly you know the episode's awesome I know I'm so, telling him this and he's like in it and dying to see it <laughs> 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 yeah and, and, but, but like, you look great babe yeah. <laughs> yeah. but when when anybody disses Dave it, I, I'm like Ready to throw down. Yeah, yeah no, no way. I mean, my whole thing about Blast was, well, maybe we were on, because we were on tour with Alice in Chains, and that guy who sings for Alice in Chains, that guy, I mean, I can't remember his name, but the singer of Alice in Chains yeah. was in Blast. Oh, William. And, yeah, and and uh, and there was like a couple of people in our camp who were like, Blast, Blast. I'm like, oh, God damn it, Blast. <laughs> Nobody knew about Blast last month. fucking <laughs> And that's the music nerd in you because yeah. there's that, there's that, there's that somewhere deep inside. You don't want anybody to know what you, 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 yeah. you, you claim that's mine. <laughs> I love that first. That's my thing. You yeah. can't love it. I have, we all have that a little bit. It's just... funny because then on that tour, we ran into uh, Mike Inez. Yeah, Who's bass player. Yeah, and he was actually buying the album. That's cool for William. Like he awesome. he had it under his arm, and I was just like, "Hey, uh, this the singer in, in your band is is on is on that. You know, he was in that band. He was in that band. He goes, he was looking at me like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I was just like, I couldn't even I couldn't even go like I'm fucking joking. I'm just, like we just met. It's the first thing I said to him. <laughs> Hey man, did you know that that, like that? Like, Check it out. And he's like, uh, yeah, uh, cool. Nice meeting you, kid. Never saw him again after that on the tour. But well, whatever. But uh, yeah, no, that's cool. I, I, I mean, Dave Grohl is Dave Grohl. I mean, and the Probot thing is like, for me, that was a big thing. Oh yeah. That was like, 
you could tell that was a guy who knew what he was doing, knew who to pick. His picks were like almost like what I would have picked, you know, like the the singers that he got to 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 guest on it. I was so envious of that. I was like, oh, well, someone did it then. Like, what can we do? We, but again, the crazy thing about that, and the thing that he probably doesn't let anybody know or doesn't ever talk about, is like he sent he he sent like the track and money to those singers and was like here's the track here's the money to go to a studio and sing on it and then send it back to me that's, like that's how committed he was to that project but every track was that singer's best song that yeah. they never wrote for their band yeah, it, fun, was, right? it was it uh, was genius yeah. like the, it was amazing the Lemmy one the, that, the song Shake Your Blood um, I have two funny stories about that um Lemmy, for whatever reason, I used to live right over by Grandmaster Recorders. It's a studio in Hollywood. And Nick, the way I met Dave was through Nick Raskulinix, a producer who did two and a half of our records and did like three records for the Foo Fighters, I think. Nick's gone on to do like Rush. And... He did one of ours. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, like, you know, Nick. He, he's a, he's yeah. a great, great hang. Yeah. So he, he, he hits me up. At the time, there was a bass player in our band named Janice Tanaka who played a Rickenbacker, and we had it because she was actually on tour playing with Pink, and it was at my old apartment. Anyway, it's a big setup for hopefully a funny story. So <laughs> Nick calls me, and like out of desperation, he's like, Dude, do you have Janice's bass at your house by any chance? And I was like, You know what's weird? No, he was like, Do you have it on hand? And I was like, You know what's weird? It's like right in my hall closet. And he's like, no way. He's like, please bring it to the studio, <laughs> to Grandmaster. And I'm like, why? Lemmy doesn't have a bass. And he goes, no, they're all in South Africa. And I was like, okay, you can explain when I get there. <laughs> so I grabbed Janice. I called Janice. And I was like, hey, um, I know you're on tour and you left me with your bass, but uh, Lemmy wants to borrow it for the day? And she was like, what? And I was like, yeah. So anyway, she's like, yeah, whatever. She goes, tell me he has to sign it. So I brought it over to the studio. And he, he hadn't gotten there yet. And you know, like, when you're in the studio and it's someone else's record, you're always like, eh, I want to get out of here. It's not yeah, my thing. You yeah. know, it's like being in the room when someone else is taking sex. a shit. Yeah, or taking a <laughs> shit. Yeah. So you're like, I gotta get out of here. So I just dropped the bass off. And I remember I went home and, like, maybe, maybe three hours go by, if that. And Nick calls me. He's like, hey, man, you want to come pick up Janice's bass? And I was like, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, we're done. And I was like, what do you mean? He goes, well, he's like, Dave had some of the tracks done already. And he goes, basically, let me let me came in and listen to it. And then he, like, said, let me play bass on it. And the, he's like, we did two passes of his bass, and it was finished. And he goes, and then he said... I'm, I'm going to go upstairs in the lounge and write the words. And he's like, he went up there for maybe 20 minutes, and he came down, and he sang the song twice, and then we were finished. Wow. It's like the rest of the time we just spent bullshitting. Wow. And he's like, so it's done. So that's how fast that that's came awesome. together. Wow. That's and he signed amazing. the back of Janice's headstock. Like, thanks for the loan or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty awesome. Wow. That is cool. Yeah. There was this other time, another Lemmy story just because we're on the boat. Nate from the Foo Fighters told me that they were they were like somewhere in Europe and they like were on stage and they played Shake Your Blood like Lemmy was at the show and they were like come out and play Shake Your Blood it'll be awesome so they, Lemmy and they were like Nate will just play bass like just sing it you know, we want, you know, you know like make, try and make it easier for him or whatever yeah. so he's like okay cool and then he comes out 
games. <laughs> Nate's like, I'm playing this, you know, we're playing the song, and I'm like playing it, and then like at one point, like in the song, Lemmy looks over at me, and he looks kind of pissed, and then and then like I was like, oh, sh-. and then he's like, then I mean, even more self conscious. Like the song gets over, and as he's walking off the stage, he looks at me, and he goes, next time, why don't you try learning the song? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Nate was like, oh, crush. Oh, that is crushing now. <laughs> Pretty funny. Well, um, uh, I, I don't think they're doing it anymore, but uh, Kill by Death in the set list is yeah. usually the song where they get like one of the bands to sing Kill mm-hmm. by Death. And I didn't know this. And then in 06, we were playing Hellfest, and we were hanging with uh, Phil Campbell. And he goes, you want to sing uh, You want to sing Kill by Death tonight with Lemmy? I'm like, what? That's like my favorite <laughs> Motorhead song. Yeah, sure, I'm down. And uh, I was like, I didn't, I, whatever. And he goes, come on, let's go ask Lem. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's let's go meet Lemmy, man. And uh, <laughs> and he opens the door, and Lemmy's with uh, a friend. Right. And all I, all I remember is he opens the door, Phil opens the door, and Lemmy just turned around going, Get the fuck out of here! <laughs> all right, well, got to ask him right now. <laughs> like I thought that was it. Like that was it. Uh, okay. But eventually, I got up later that evening and I sang "Sun Killed by Death." But I was so nervous to sing with him yeah. that I didn't. I didn't know that I could take center stage. I was like, "Well, I don't want to take center stage. That's Lemmy stage." Mm-hmm. So every time Lemmy would come over to center stage, I would go to Phil. But what Lemmy, like, I didn't realize. He wanted to, like, bro down and, like, rub shoulders and stuff. Like Perry and Tyler it? Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah exactly. And I was, I was so mad at myself. Well, it's like, like, hey, that's out of, yeah, you were being respectful. Yeah, that's I was being what, respectful, yeah. but it looked like I was, like, scared of the guy. So the next time I got another, I got the second time, got ass. I'm like, I'm fucking dude. Yeah, man, yeah. I was like, yeah. <laughs> So, but then there, yeah, I got another story. I can't tell that story, but um, yeah, yeah, but it, it was awesome. And then since then, I'm actually on the Lemmy Blu-ray disc where I sung. Oh yeah, um, yeah, and uh, it's great. Now I'm like, you still get super nervous, but you know, they're yeah. rock and roll dreams, man. Oh, it's amazing. You know, like uh, I saw him walking around yes, uh, last night. Oh really? And it's still like super. Yeah, it's, it's weird. It's, it's like it's seeing intimidating. the fucking it's hell. Unicorn or something. It, yeah. I, yeah. No matter how, you know. I was at, at, not to interrupt you, but I was at Dave, one night a few years ago, Dave got like some tickets or asked to come down. Metallica played like some benefit gig at the Wiltern for like the Silver Lake Music School or something. And he's like, he's like, hey, do you, you want to go see Metallica at the Wiltern? I'm like, sure. And we went. Wow. Yeah. And then after, he was like, you want to go drink at the Rainbow with Lemmy? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and um, he, we sat down, and we had played with Motorhead a few, couple times, and the one time was right after uh, they had kicked a band off the tour, and they needed somebody to fill in, and they called us, and we went out and did it. And you're like, they didn't, whatever reason, we were like, drop everything and go. So, anyway... I sat down with him and I was like, "Hey, man, I'm you know I'm Dave's friend Jim." And he goes, "You playing a band?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "You played with us when we kicked this band. I want to say off the tour." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's right." And I was like, totally floored that he just even remembered that much. Yeah. So it got to the point in the night where I was so drunk that 
I, I was I remember having a conversation with him where I was like, dude. <laughs> Orgasmatron, those are your best fucking words. And he's like, no, they're not. And I'm like, how could you say that? And I'm like, I'm like, there's no fucking way. You can't think that. I know who you think. And he's like, they're not. And I'm like, what are the? He, I'm like, what are the best words you ever wrote? Then and he's like, march or die. And I'm like, are you fucking crazy? I'm like, and he starts like. He starts like mouthing, like you know, like you know, whatever, like saying the words to march or die. And I'm like, nope, no, 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 still not as good as Orgasmatron. And he's like, well, what's he goes, well, what what other song? What what other song? He's asked me like another song, and I was like, you know, you're gonna be surprised. And he goes, what? And I said, I was like. I'm like, dude, don't believe a word off of off of the record Overnight Sensation. He looked at me like I was nuts. He's like, what? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, why don't you guys ever play that live? And he goes, who the hell's going to sing the backups? Phil? And then that was the end of our conversation. <laughs> the guy felt weird. Um, well, that is a, that leads me into another Lemmy story. I mean, this is turning. I mean, it's a motorboat. Yeah, we're so. on the motorboat. Well, there was one time I was called in while we were on tour of them. To sing, uh, to sing with Lemmy, "Born to Raise Hell," and uh, Phil Campbell came up with the idea. He, he just came up to me. He goes, "Hey, you want to sing "Born to Raise Hell" tonight with Lemmy?" I'm like, "Ah, uh, yeah, why? Yeah, I'll yeah. always say yes, like yeah. no matter what it is. You don't have to put a question mark yeah, at the yeah. end of the sentence. <laughs> no matter how hard it is, I'll I'll fucking do it." And uh, so I really I practiced. And he goes, "Well, you gotta you gotta go into Lemmy's uh, dressing room." wants to know if you know it I'm like oh fuck gonna get quizzed hell. right now so i went into like this like fucking full-on like two-hour like tutorial where i <laughs> made sure like i knew every word so i went into lemmy's dressing room and he's just sitting there by the slot machine thing he's got and just like it's in the movie he's got his slot machine <laughs> and he's sitting there with his uh ipod like speakers there too <laughs> he presses the 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 ipod and we're listening to the song, and I'm sitting right across from him in his dressing room, and I'm singing the song to him, and he's mouthing it with me, and we're both singing it to each other. <laughs> I was so fucking nervous. And Phil, that I got, I realized because Phil was asked to sing, they put that in the set, and Phil had to do the backups, and he didn't want to sing it. Yeah. So he pawned it off. What's me with the Phil uh, not singing thing? I don't know. It's a thing. Uh, yeah, I don't Clearly. know. Clearly. I don't know what it is. And then, of course, you get on stage. And this is more than me just going, kill by death. Like, yeah. anyone could do it. But then you realize the Motorhead stage is the loudest. It's mm -hmm. so fucking loud. You can't hear shit all. So I couldn't hear my monitors. And so, of course, someone decides to YouTube that. Right, yeah. And all the comments are like that Enrique Iglesias. Remember that thing on Howard sure, Stern? Sure, yeah. Like, oh, the he can't sing. Vocal. Yeah. yeah, he can't sing. Like I can't Linda hear. McCartney. Yeah. yeah. I couldn't s hear myself. That's Courtney why I didn't know what key or where the song was. And I was just going, you know, like I didn't know where I was. Where I was. This guy can't sing. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so whatever. Yeah. It just sucks though, because a friend of the family saw, read all the comments on that. Whatever. Yeah, I know. Get up and do it. That's yeah. what I always I say. Just, I like, right oh. before you're about to hit send on your internet comment, <laughs> tonight go to a club and get on a stage. Yeah. Then the day after that, make all the comments you want. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So that's how I feel. I've only ever had like one. We only ever toured with one band where 
from the stage. Like the crowds were so hard to win over that I finally was just like I, I would just you know I was it, it became part of like this the banter you know like where it was just like you know especially if it got like you know shitty that this band Opeth who I love and I love those guys and Michael wanted to take us on tour and so I'm eternally grateful they're amazing yeah awesome dudes so this is by no means no no, no slight against that band in any way but their crowd especially in like 2007 or 4 or 5 whenever we toured with them I don't even remember was particularly rough cuz we're we're we sound like a 70s hard rock band like that's what our band sounds like in case you don't know that out there um and that didn't go over well with like you know black metal mixed with tool which you know for the layman that's kind of what they sound like you're not too far off the yeah. mark so there was just nights where it was just like like people. I saw that tour with you guys. Yeah, yeah, That's right. When uh, Jason was playing bass, yeah, for at you. the docks, it was at the Opera House. Oh, right. Because I remember the under underground. That's uh, right. I totally room. remember that. Yeah, that and, was brutal for us. You know, and it, it it sucks that their audience treated you like that because all those dudes in that band they loved that they went to see that night are all old rock. Dudes. Oh, totally. Those guys. Their like, new record sounds like Atomic Rooster for crying out loud. Like they're, they're totally down. He's going for it. Yeah, you know, it's awesome. Yeah, and and he, you know, he walks on stage with a White Snake T-shirt. Yeah, it's and, like he's not afraid. But like, yeah, those kids were just it was like trench coat mafia shit. And yeah. Every night they just like they were always like one dude, and finally it got to the point. I sort of never forget. Yeah. We were like in, in that like that, you know, in Wolverhampton at or no, what's it called in uh in Massachusetts, like right outside of Boston. There's that like, there's a venue where all the metal shows happen. I don't know. You had to, you have to have played there. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I forget the name of it, but we were there, and I was just finally like, you know what, man? <laughs> like, fucking, any one of you assholes wants to make a comment? Every member of this band, including the chick, is available after the show backstage. So the next one that opens their fucking mouth better be opening it backstage to one of our faces. And I'll tell you what. The chick in our band could kick any one of your fucking asses, so try it out without any of us. And sure enough, like I got like the cops came to the dressing room and they were like, "You that there was somebody in the audience that said that you threatened them." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh my god, you gotta be kidding me!" Wow, yeah, wow, that's so, crazy. Yeah, no. rock and roll life, man. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I I love Opeth. Yeah, amazing guys. band. Yeah, so it's all. Awesome. I would stand on the side of the stage. There's that one song they would play last every time. That Deliverance. Was, yeah. Yeah. And just when he does this shit with the drums, oh, and then it's all like crazy. It's there's like, yeah, it's so crazily syncopated with everybody. It's, it's that so you're cool. like, how the hell are you guys doing this? And every night we'd hear it like start and be like, run from wherever we were in the club to the side of the stage to watch it happen. It's um, it's pretty. It yeah. was like I, it must have been like seeing Genesis was like like you know like old Genesis. I we always tell it to John because John our our drummer is not like the biggest metal fan in the world and he but he loves all the prog stuff from the 70s he's a little bit older than me um but he he like that's his favorite stuff and he he loved watching that every night too like yeah. he was totally drawn in so yeah anyway. yeah well i last time opeth came through or maybe time before was with mastodon yeah ghost of mastodon and opeth and i'm like how are you gonna play after mastodon mm-hmm. like you know they're kind of the kings of the scene and they're and Opeth just wiped the floor. Yeah, they I, held I gotta it, man. say, I saw that too at Universal in, in LA. They, they just held it. They owned just... it so hard. Yeah, it he's amazing. Michael's awesome, and he's such a great frontman. And yeah. he's he's a people don't realize he's a, he's a good frontman, like funny and mm-hmm. 
He's self-deprecating. Sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, wicked sense cool. of humor. It's really great. It's great. Oh, Beth, we love you. <laughs> I don't have a Lemmy story, but I have a uh, a boat related story with Dave Ellison. Oh, oh yeah, shit. I was at uh, base camp, at Warwick headquarters, and the factory two weeks ago, and there were some heavy, heavy players out there. Chuck Rainey, who played on Steely Dan stuff, some of the grooviest shit ever. Um, Rob from Metallica, Dave Ellison, blah, blah, blah. The, the list goes on and on and on. Victor Wooten. Um, we had a big party on the Saturday. Two o'clock in the morning, we get on a bus. A lot of the professors and a lot of the, the VIPs um, back to the Frankfurt airport. It was a four-hour drive. And everybody was all talking in the beginning, and gradually everybody faded out. And I was asleep. I awoke to people screaming, ah, just like blood-curdling loud. I was like, what the fuck? I opened my eyes. I was about a third of the way back on the bus. I see out the front window. We're zooming down the Autobahn. There's a curve ahead, and we're going straight. And... Mm -hmm. Dave Ellison had been sitting in the back, but for some reason he crept up to the front and he was wide awake. And I'm just yelling at the top of my lungs. I lost my voice in about two seconds. I was yelling so loud. Dave jumped up, actually grabbed the wheel and kept us on the road. We were about to crash through a, a guardrail and go flying off into a gully before a forest. He saved the lives of 30 or 40 insanely, not myself included, but oh, some insanely no. talented <laughs> bass players I, 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 and drummers. Chester Thompson was sitting by me, Alfonso Johnson from Santana and Weather Report, um, Stephen Bailey in the back, Victor Wooten and his brother Reggie and his son Adam, uh, my friend Nick Shangelos from Job for a Cowboy and Cephalic Carnage. Ryan Martini from Mudvayne. A lot of friends and family Holy on that bus that almost got creamed. And Dave Ellison, that's on this boat right now. Good luck, Charm. Saved wow. everybody. Literally saved our lives. And I'm sure he's going to be all humble about it. Oh, it was nothing. I, just, I was just sitting there. I, I told him in an email that I was going to buy him drinks for the rest of his life, and then I found out last night he doesn't drink. <laughs> so hey, maybe a lifetime gift card to Starbucks. See, or something. Wow. and and did that story make any? I haven't heard. I think it's been kind of you know everybody's so excited about the base camp and. Uh, yeah, they probably didn't want bad press for the base camp. But it's not. It's not it has yeah, nothing it has to do with the base camp. The base camp. It has everything yeah. to do with whoever was driving. Yeah, the, the only the, 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 the shitty thing about it is is that. You know, God forbid, the only reason why they would have reported on it is something had happened, but because it didn't happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the, well, no, the, the, the thing worth reporting is that Dave Ellison is Saved hero. everybody, yeah, of yeah. course. But they don't, that's not... Well, there were some journalists on the bus. Ed Friedlander from oh, yeah. Bass Player Magazine was on the bus, so we'll see what happens in the next issue of Bass Player Magazine. Dave Ellison! <laughs> yeah. Bass Player of the Year! <laughs> yeah. Mega Life should be the headline. Mega, Mega Life. life. Whoa! Yeah, there I mean, we go. Yeah. It was heavy. It's yeah, been a life-changing yeah, experience yeah. for me. I, I've appreciated every moment. Since, Petty things yeah, are yeah. not bothering me at this moment uh, in my life. <laughs> it, it was heavy. 
you know. I, like I, the airplane mode that we have to go on, and the right, exactly. Mode. You're just like whatever. Yeah, oh, yeah. everybody whined about their cell phones not working. You're like, dude, whatever. <laughs> I, I didn't mind the baby next to me on the airplane kicking me, but when he started screaming bloody murder while we were landing, that, like, <laughs> oh, even a near death experience <laughs> cannot. <laughs> I mean that's that's just so great. I mean that's nice to hear about David Ellison. Yeah. Makes me maybe I can he, he he seems more approachable to me. Maybe I can go up to him now. He's yeah. really. Nice. I haven't seen yeah. him on the boat yet, but I saw. Him. I'm gonna hug tonight. They're playing. Him. There's like the metal the, allegiance. Yeah, metal allegiance show. So we should move. Out. I want to go to that. Yeah. Because must hey, actually we all have a meet and greet with the metal allegiance guys. So you're gonna oh, see cool. Ellison oh. there if he shows. That's okay. like Thursday. Yeah. It's like it's gonna be a. I think. I think it's with Down Metal Allegiance, us and, and you us, guys. Yeah. Perfect. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. I think it'll be me in the lineup too. Going, hey man, <laughs> oh, yeah. over there at our side. I thought I could <laughs> grab some autographs and <laughs> <or> photos. <laughs> hey dude, <laughs> I'll be in the lineup too. But yeah, he he'll be there for Metal Allegiance. I did a thing at, in the Dean Guitars booth one year, and it was. <laughs> this is why my band never got as popular as it should have this, this story right here here it comes I got asked to do like a signing at the Dean Guitars booth and I was like sure and then I had like the whole like you know panel of me pointing my finger and playing the guitar like Bleh. and I got to the booth and I'm sitting in the room and I asked my rep at the time like who else is signing today and they're like oh well we have um I forget who it was like Michelangelo you know whoever like you know I forget who else but they were like and Michael Shanker and I'm like I'm not gonna sit there with that and they were like why and I'm like I, the hell business do I have doing signing anything next to fucking Michael Shanker and they were like well you know you're still welcome to I'm like I was like Tony I can't it's stupid it's a stupid thing it's gonna be like they're gonna be like here, like people are gonna be asking me to hold Michael Sh- like their their jackets while Michael Shanker signs their stuff. Yeah. I'm like there's no need for that, so I didn't do the signing. But I got something signed by Michael Shanker. <laughs> <laughs> Need a selfie. selfie. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's do too. it. <laughs> Thanks guys. Yeah, Thank well. you.